Hello, ASIJ students. What's the dealio? My name's Jack McGee. And I'm Kaya Matsura, and we are the student-led podcast here with our first episode of the year. Today, we have our very own Miss Kathy Kraut for a special interview. And for our sports section, we have an exclusive look at the varsity football team with Nash Rasmussen and our captains Oliver Roger and Reese Gallagher. All right. But first, let's get right to it with uh, Ms. Kathy Krauth. Thank you so much for coming and to talk to us. And uh, we're really excited to hear your dealio. So uh, first, let's, let's just jump right in. Okay. We know that you're heavily involved in the Student Advocates for Gender Equality, SAGE. Yes. As well as the founder of uh, the QEA here, correct? Uh, not the founder. Ms. Islas Cooks and I are like, we brought it back. Let's brought just say it back. brought it back. Brought it yes. back. Yes. Nice. So uh, could you tell us what got you interested in advocacy and uh, the empowerment of marginalized groups today, Sanjay? Wow, that's a hard question. I'm not, I don't know if I'm prepared. Um, I guess for me, it comes from a teaching standpoint in that I know that if kids don't feel safe and comfortable, they can't learn. So if you don't feel like you're part of the community, uh, and that can come in many different ways, but if you don't see yourself in the books that you're reading, if you don't see yourself uh, in the hallway, in posters, in textbooks, uh, you you don't feel part of the community. So I realized that being a history teacher, we don't exactly emphasize um, you know queer communities and how they have dealt with historical events. We haven't uh, really concentrated on uh, women in history. Um, because we've emphasized political history and economic history, which they have been, of course, part of, but not the mainstream story. So I'm, you know, for, I guess from a teacher's point of view, it comes from trying to make sure that everybody is included. That's good. Um, just uh, another question to add on to that. Do you think that it should be involved in the curriculum, like included in the curriculum? Yeah. If you don't see yourself, I mean, even. Even when you come to English class and, you know, there's an, an author and they're coming from a queer perspective, why is it a problem to say, you know, this person identified as, you know, gay and this person's writing from that perspective? I think it's important that we lay that out so it's normalized. Right. Um, so you touched on this, but we heard you talking about the role of gender within our own school community. And so in what specific ways do you think this plays out at ASIJ? Um, well, I'm always interested in the hidden curriculum, and that is what you learn without actually consciously learning about it. But if you uh, come through ASIJ right now, our head of school is male, the high school principal is male, the elementary school principal is male, and um, under them are, right, the females. Um, we do have a middle school, I want to like to point out, middle school principal who's female, and, of course, an ELC um, school head who's female. But um, just from that, you get an idea, and it's not conscious, but you get that unconscious idea of who is in charge and who should be in charge. But throughout, you know, throughout, we, there's so many messages on on media today about what girls and boys should be and how it shapes your future and what you think you can and can't do. I think it shapes the way that we become unhappy, 
sometimes in our lives without realizing it. And it's because all of the options uh, that we want in our lives are not open to us because they haven't been open. I mean, we don't have a lot of, you know, male dancers um, when in fact that it's such an enjoyable, you don't have to be a professional male dancer, but there's so many avenues for, um, I think males that, you know, in terms of that, that aren't in, in kind of a masculine culture aren't promoted and they could be real sources of, of happiness and joy for people. And of course it works the other way for girls as well, maybe in, in sports or in other ways that, um, and of course, just in the classroom, I think it's really important to identify um, how gender, but also culture uh, play out in the classroom. Um, we're an American school, so we really value the uh, outspoken input of people. But um, culturally, that's not such a thing in Japan. And also gender wise, you know, girls are taught to be quiet and behave. Uh, and we know that girls do better in school, but there's still a huge pay gap and a sh- huge gap once we look at the workforce. Statistically, there's so there's something going on um, in schools and then outside of schools that I think we need to pay attention to. Uh, so you've been at ASIJ a long time, right? Pretty much since it was founded in yeah. 1902. Right, yeah. basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have, I came for two years, and this is my 19th year. 19th year. Yeah, I said, I'm only coming for two. Wow. And this is my 19th year. So something's, something good is going on. Do you think that it's gotten better, or how, how has it changed since you first got here? Uh, just in terms of what I was talking about? Yeah, is that just, your question? Yeah. Uh, I think, yes, I do think it's gotten better in some ways I think just conversations we become more aware as just as human beings about how gender and race and you know sexuality all these things play out in our lives Um, however I and yeah I, I would say yes it's gotten better at ASIJ I think it's gotten better for high schoolers but I think we need to think about um, educating our parent community and teachers uh, and also littler kids about um, about some of these issues so that they can, when they're younger, make better decisions and understand what's happening. Um, and it, yeah, so it's gotten better, but we, have, we still have a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, also, uh, you touched on this uh, before. Uh, talking about just identity in general in the ASIJ community, but not uh, specifically gender identity, but identity in general, especially considering we're like an international school in Japan. What are your thoughts on that? On I- identity? Yeah, how is it? Any kind? Well, I mean, it's hard because our our world tries to label us and it doesn't really work out so much for uh, students. I mean, the worst the worst question you get is where are you from? Um, and, and that's because we want to label, we'll label you so we can totally understand where you're from. Oh, I'm from, you know, Hawaii. Oh, I totally get you. Well, that's hard for most, if not all, uh, American school and Japan students, because if, you know, wherever you're from, there's a, there's a story behind why you're here. So I, I, you know, I'm interested in, in those ways that we can, understand why the world wants to define us in very simplistic ways. And I think this has come up uh, recently in terms of the tennis player um, Osaka, because she has 
brought up these issues, but she's also been confronted with these issues, most specifically by Japanese journalists who are trying to pigeonhole her behavior and her uh, speech in, oh, that's very Japanese, when she can't eke out what the Japanese or the American part is. She just is who she is. And when I say American, I mean Haitian, um, but she's lived in America, so she's got many things going on. But in, in this increasingly complex, globalized world, you know, nations really want us to identify in ways that are so narrow that they don't fit American school and Japan students. Uh, and I think it's really important, especially for the seniors, but anybody going to the United States to understand that, because I think it's harder for it might be harder for you than it was for kids in the 90s um, with increasingly, you know, political nationalism happening and and all of these um, all of these leaders promoting what it means to be American, which is dangerously white and male, quite frankly. Um, but even in other countries where they're limiting, like what the definition of what does it mean to be somebody. And so I think it's almost harder for you guys in understanding that because here, well, you just are who you are and that's the way it should be. So then when you go and face these kind of racial and and national identity issues it's i think it's really difficult sorry that was a long answer (laughs) that was a great answer just concerning for the for for future but yeah good answer well if you know it you can it's not so scary if you know it it's not so scary and you cannot and you can educate people about it because the reality is when you go to college you're gonna have so much more in common with the people you're at college with, right? They're the same age. You guys have more of an international culture, but they don't understand the forces that are limiting their ideas of identity. You can be American and have lived your whole life in Tokyo. And you might not look American, but you are American. But you could also be Japanese as well. So like, why, why do we even have to do that? Just, just be you would be my advice and educate people don't be scared <laughs> mcgee don't be scared i'll try <laughs> okay what's next what, what do you got next for me so well you basically touched on this but we want you to elaborate a little more but you were talking about this new york times article called oh. naomi osaka a new governor and me by motoko rich yes yeah where she talks about the idea of being multicultural and so I think you already touched on this but what was can you tell us about your reaction to it yeah I I really had a strong reaction to it because it um, Motoka Rich is such a good writer and I think it spoke to most students at ASIJ not in that half conversation but in in the idea of identity so uh, Motoka Rich in that article is talking about um, how you know, what's been going on with Osaka and what's been going on with then Denny Tamaki, who is the new governor of Okinawa. He was just elected last week. And he, his father was an American Marine who he, I don't even think he ever met his father. He left um, Okinawa before he was born, but he's always called half. He's always called, you know, half American, half Japanese. Um, and so through these issues and how people talk about, I don't know, like just because Tamaki, Denny Tamaki has 
American blood? Does that make him like look at things in a different way? I'm not quite sure. But Motoko Rich explored that that those ideas of what does it mean to be in a country and you're not accepted, and then you go to the other country and you're not accepted, um, and and her own. Uh, identity and coming to grips with, you know, maybe that's okay. And also, and I know everybody always laughs at me at ASIJ when I uh, discuss that word half, because you can't be half of a person. And I think we need to, I know it sounds stupid, but language is really important. And I think we need to start using the word double, because the truth is, most um, people, even depending on your blood, it doesn't even matter. But uh, most of the kids, if not all, at ASIJ could be considered double. And that is because they can live in double worlds. Uh, it doesn't always mean you're multilingual or whatever, but I think that idea of double or tr- you can, you understand different situations and you're more flexible with different situations and with different people. Um, so getting away from this, well, I'm half this, half that. No, you can't be a half person. You're not a half person, right? In fact, you actually have more qualities and more perspectives, I think. So I wish we would understand that language has power. And when you say half, that doesn't actually empower anybody. And so start using, I'm double, I'm double, (laughs) right? At this point in time in the world, it's just so silly. Like, what are you? People ask that, what are you? What does that mean? I don't even know what the question is. You know, it's a different question to say, tell me your story and how, why you're here at ASIJ. Because that's really what you're saying. So say that. Don't say, what are you? Right? It's like you're asking what species they are or what planet they're from. So that's kind of, yeah, I really like that article. And yeah. I think ASIJ students should, um, I think they should read it. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was really good. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, just now uh, to wrap up, you know. Uh, We're wrapping up already. You're cutting me off. Okay. Oh yeah. I see it. how it goes. It's I done. See. That's that's the, the dealio. I that get that. Is, oh, you're, you're stepping on my lines now. It's in the oh, script. Man. Come on. All right. Jeez. <laughs> uh, okay, wrap it up there, Jack. What right, are you gonna do? Right. So we have one last question. Uh, okay for you and okay. it's uh in relation to uh what you were just talking about when kids go back to the states yeah. or um if, even if they are staying here in japan what it means to be double right and in what ways do you think that like how will being double or being half like affect or what ways do you think it like speaks to the current socio-political climate like you were saying nationalism in the states and yeah um well i would i would say this is the hardest transition, I think, for our students. And of course, that's just anecdotal. It's just what I hear. We don't, because you're in this environment where everybody kind of gets you, uh, I think it's really hard for you to understand that in the U.S., it's all about race. It has been, it is, and for the foreseeable future, it will be. And so we don't prepare you for that. So when you go to hopefully your ideal dream college um, and you see the workers and they're all of color, it's you, you're trying to figure out what happened. I'm hoping the social studies and the history department has helped you figure that out. But 
I, I think we think everything's been resolved when in fact this is a, you know, America is a country that hasn't come to terms with the fact that we enslaved people and we haven't come to terms with the idea that that was a bad thing. I mean, literally, that's where we are. So you're going into a climate where people have not, I mean, as a, a nation, we have not come to grips with the fact that these are the things we do or that we interned Japanese Americans and that was not a good thing to do. Um, so everything, it, it, I think it's shocking when you go and you see um, what, what's going on. And of course, it, 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 obviously gender and sexuality and disability and all of those kinds of things play into it. So it's not just about race, but overwhelmingly, I would say it's about race. And I just want to say right now in the political climate, there's a lot of people um, like me, like who are, you know, well-educated, who are white, who are like so disgusted with what's going on. But at the same time, this is what's been going on for people of color uh, forever. So we're like, what's going on? What? Why? This is horrible. When in fact, this is what um, people of color have been going through for uh, centuries. So I think it's time for us to see how they can lead us through this horrible moment um, of America right now. That that That's my dealio. Oh, <laughs> way to end on a good note. That was good. <laughs> Thank Quite you. Informative. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. These are big issues and they're so important. And we have the financial kind of, I'm not going to say, you know, we have the responsibility, but we have the financial backing or sources that we can actually consider these and see how they play out. We don't have a responsibility, but I think we have the ability to actually consider what's happening. Whereas for most people, it's the daily grind of life and the daily grind of trying to pay your bills and then trying to understand on all of that. It's it's just literally too much. So I think it's your generation that has to fix everything that my generation um, has screwed up. You're welcome. That that's your dealio. <laughs> All right, you gotta stop with the. Okay, the I'm, deal, so, okay, really I'm really... stopping. I'm stopping. I had to get it in though. I'm stopping. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you for coming. And um, yeah, good luck on the year. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Hi, I'm Tyler Schiff, and uh, I'm here with Alex Casalaris, and we're going to be interviewing four football players from the ASIJ football team. This is What's the Dealio podcast, and let's get started. So, uh, could you all introduce yourselves, please? Hi, I'm Reese Gallagher. Uh, I play running back and fullback, and also a uh, middle linebacker. Uh, I'm Oliver Rogers. I play quarterback. I'm Nash Rasmussen. I play uh, wide receiver and tight end and sometimes on the line. I'm John Riley Neal. I play uh, offensive and defensive line. All right, so uh, you guys are all really into football, I'm guessing. So um, why did you start? So what got you into football? Um, what got me into football was, um, so I, I'm Australian, so I originally was into rugby, and I used to play in clubs in all Japan. Right. And then uh, when I came to ASOJ, I used to watch the football games, and I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty similar. It's pretty awesome. And then, um, yeah, my dad sort of urged me to play football because it's similar to rugby. So, yeah, that's how I got into football. All right. Um, For me, just growing up with an older brother and my dad, PE teacher, he's always 
like encouraging us to go outside so we would go out and throw a football around he was a lot bigger than me so it kind of pushed me to be play at his level and we used to play like every summer with our cousins and all that and then when he got to high school he joined the football team so I kind of just followed in those footsteps and joined right. as well uh yeah I'm kind of in the same boat as uh Reese uh, I played rugby in Utah and I really enjoyed the contact and when I came, moved to Japan a year ago I was looking for a rugby team but I found football and it's been really fun all right all right um yeah I kind of started off just with family and watching it as I grew up and then played rugby for a year and really liked it and then once I moved here football was the only option so it just kind of grew on me and I've been playing ever since all right well since a lot of you guys have played rugby what's the learning curve when you first start football what's the differences um well first of all pads and the way you actually tackle is much different like how um of course in football there's a lot of blocking of course and you do that whereas in rugby you can only tackle the person that has the ball Whereas, like, for me, that was pretty big. Like, just out of nowhere, you could be just hit even if you don't even have the yeah. ball. And it's just yeah. that's, like, yeah. being, like, blindsided. And I think that's, like, one of the major things. And besides, like, the ball size, that's, like, there's not that much difference. Like, just – and also, right. like, sort of, like, plays and such. Because in rugby, you're sort of – the main goal is, like, you go up as a unit and you sort of just throw yeah. it across the side to one another. But um, right. with football, it's more of, like, uh, you know, you make plays and, like, this guy goes there and that other guy goes there. So, yeah, that was the main differences. All right. So, talking about blocking, talking about all this physical contact, um, is training hard work? Like, after school, you just finished a day of school? Yeah. Um, there's some days that are harder than others, but there's some very physical days. Uh, a lot of tackling and hitting each other and lots of running. All right. Can you guys give, like, a an example of a workout or, like, maybe just, like, a, yeah, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so for the linemen, it's normally, like, a lot of warm-up at first, and then we go through, like, just the basics of learning stances and stuff to make sure that we can get the basics right. And then if it's going to be a rough day, it's normally, like, sled, which is five guys have to push, like, a 1,000 pounds All right. wow. down a field, and it's not fun. Wow, all right. <laughs> we start our day off by, like, warming up obviously as a whole team and then we split into kind of backs and the linemen and so what the backs do is just like we run through get it warmed up and we run like five different routes i think we do hitch slant five yard out post, post and then flies oh, yeah. and so all the uh, wide receivers and running backs and everyone who doesn't play line has to do that so that's a lot of running and every time we drop the ball we have three up downs for the, the whole team does yeah. and so for me personally though i just stand there and throw the ball for most of the time so that part isn't very <laughs> hard but it it can be rough when it's super hot out, like during our first week of practice. Uh, John mentioned before we started that uh, the season's been kind of challenging this year. So what specifically has made it more challenging than uh, years previously? Um, well, this year is like the first year where the JV and the varsity have combined oh, because yeah. we've not had that many turnouts um, this year. So that's just different because we have a lot of sophomores and freshmen that have never actually played football. Or like um, because and with that, there's just we have to coach them up to even understand like plays that we've known since we were freshmen and like certain things that like you expect them to be able to do that they aren't ready for yet so yeah that's like the main thing it's been challenging also just trying to figure out because last year we had certain key players that of course left like we had a quarterback that left and Oliver originally was our tight end and receiver and now had to become our quarterback which left us a receiver empty so that was like the main differences all right um so how do you guys like the ASIJ sports coaches, the sports team, the facilities, just overall, like the energy, the atmosphere? 
How's ASIG Sports for you guys? Um, personally, I've had like a really fun experience. I mean, um, the coaches, they know what they're doing, and they really try to help you become better um, on the field and off the field, and that's kind of their goal. Um, it has been struggles at times because okay. things get up and yeah, life is hard, so you got to keep pushing through, especially in sports. But other than that, it's been a great like three years for sports no matter what. Yeah, um, I would say they're really good. Um, I play basketball and I did track last year as well. And all the coaches are really supportive. And like, even if we're not doing the sport, they're really supportive in school and they do everything they can to help us out. All right. Um, also, like facilities wise, um, like like especially like Iku are like the personal trainer. Like that's one of like the one things I think ASIJ is special with. Like we yeah. a lot of other schools don't have that. Yeah, that must be so we have like a like a person that's able to like really understand if we're injured or have anything wrong with us and the way that we can recover with that. So that's like a huge key thing in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we're gonna take a more in depth look at your team and who you guys really are. So um, we'll start off with you guys as a team or individually. Do you guys have any pregame rituals or anything you guys follow? Um. We. Well, usually when we're in the locker room, we get, like, me, Oliver, or Andrew. Yeah. Sometimes Dean will come jump on, jump in and, like, try to give a motivational speech yeah. to the team. Then usually Tomlinson will come in. And, um, like, one key thing about Coach Tomlinson is that he's actually, like, in my opinion, like, a really good, like, motivator. Like, yeah. I always get really hyped up when he talks. <laughs> and then after that, we go out and we, we have a little sign that says win-win on it. We, oh, yeah, we yeah, whack yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And then we go out and we do like our little like Mustang huddle like chant. Yeah, yeah, okay, like, okay. We break down. Yeah, yeah. chant, yeah, break down. And um, then we run out, do our warm-ups, and that's pretty much it. It's, it's, all right. Not much has changed. <laughs> so you guys are all pretty big guys, um, but is any one of you the strongest on the team? It's probably Reese. That's why I didn't want to answer it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it's hard to one judge. Those, one guy you see, for me, especially when I see him, I'm like, dang, that kid is going to be strong and like hit hard and like is uh, Quinn Morgan. Oh, when, I, right. like, when he came out last year for his first year, I was like, this is going to be awesome for the team. Like He's right, a right. big Kiwi guy. You know, He should probably play rugby before. I expected him to like really hit hard. And he's like a big guy, too. He's pretty strong. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's one guy I think about, too, besides myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any thoughts on the fastest, fastest guy on the team? Alan. I think Alan is about to Like, yeah. Um, yeah, probably Alan Edmonds. He's, right. like, he's sort of, like, short, too, which yeah. makes him, like, he's just really, like, swifty and, like, he just swifty. Yeah, he just, <laughs> just cuts and, like, really hard to get down a tackle. All right. So who's the best dresser? Uh, Harrison, Harrison Briggs. Harrison Briggs. Mm-hmm. Harrison Briggs, for sure. Yeah, he's always a... Uh... He's always dressing with a button-up shirt and pants. Yeah, he's always got, like, Sunday shoes, like, leather shoes. He's always looking fly. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really a casual look. He's classy. He's he's definitely classy, yeah. At the airport, yeah. he came. What did he, was he wearing? Dress shoes. Yeah, everyone on the team, we were supposed to just wear, like, a polo. Yeah. And, like, black pants or just pants. He comes in with, like, this dress, and, like, he, like, looks much better than the rest of us. So, yeah. He puts us all the, he puts us all the shame. <laughs> all right, so last but not least, of course, who is the funniest guy on the team? Um, Biggest morale booster, who is the funniest guy on the team? Um, there's two types of funny on the team, in my opinion. 
Uh, One of them, in my opinion, is like who actually tries to be funny, and in my opinion, makes me laugh the most is probably Dean Hane. Like during warm ups and stuff, he says things that are just like really funny, and he does things in accents when there's like no need to, and it's just hilarious. And then um, there's also another guy that Oliver will explain. Well, the other funny guy on our team is Platek. So he's just fun to watch when he's out on the field because he's he's always trying his hardest and like sprinting down the field but his pants are always half <laughs> off because he can't put his belts on right he's just practice is just so much more fun when he's out there because he just brings brings such an energy to practice and sure for sure all the guys crack jokes and he like cracks back and it's, uh, it's all in good fun and he's just he's just a such a fun guy to have at practice yeah. all right so uh that's going to be the interview done. Thank you guys for coming out. If you guys want any shout-outs, do you guys want to say anything else? Uh, maybe a shout-out to um, our coach's Twitter handle. What is it? Um, at, what is it? At SIJ Football or? At Mustang Football, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Also, uh, hashtag honor the game. All right, all right. Sounds good. Uh, this has been What's the Dealio, the ASIJ podcast. We're the sports section. And that was the dealio. Thank you all for tuning in and make sure to check out our next episode coming soon. Ciao.